Now, a couple weeks ago, we spoke about how we are adopted into the family of God. We spoke about adoption and how uh, a precious uh, symbol of the gospel that is. And because of that adoption, we are able to partake in Christ's inheritance. We, we mentioned how God is a loving and caring Father who we can approach with all confidence. In chapter 3 of Galatians, Paul said this. Maybe you guys remember. He said that there's no more Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female. We are all one in Christ Jesus. And what he was referring to was the fact that in because of Jesus, we have a new identity. And that identity is a child of God. That identity is love. That identity is forgiven. That identity is accepted. So we don't have to find our identity in the things that the rest of the world does. That would be things like our ethnicity. Though we praise God and we celebrate our diversities in the cultures, even the diversity in the cultures represented in this room. We don't have to find our identity in our gender. Though that distinction is important. And God created both to complement each other and to reflect His image. We don't have to find our identity in our economic status uh, because rich or poor, we all stand helpless uh, because of our sin and we can experience God's amazing grace in Jesus. Guys, regardless of our ethnicity, our gender, our class, we have a new distinction. We are part of a new family that breaks past all the classifications and labels set out by this world. Now in today's passage, Paul is going to continue to use this familial language. And I believe that we'll be able to glean some very important lessons on what it's like to live in this new family. If we are all adopted into the family of God, what does it look like? What is it like to live as that new family? Now, here's what I know about family. Family can be messy. And that is no different in our church family as well. Family is never perfect, but it's family, right? You know, uh, one of my favorite things about the fall is Thanksgiving. And during Thanksgiving and other holidays like it, you get a glimpse into the real messiness of family, don't you? All different temperaments, all different attitudes, all these personalities mashing together to try and gobble down this turkey together without a murder at the end of the night, right? That's that's like the goal, right? Nobody kills anyone. But that's family. And so with that in mind, let's look at verse 12 in today's passage. And let's look at it. Look at what Paul says. Verse 12. He says, I beg you, brothers and sisters, become like me, for I also became like you. Now go ahead, take your pen, circle the word beg, and then underline brothers and sisters there in verse 12. Paul says, I beg you, I beg you, showing us the sense of urgency and importance of what he's about to say. When's the last time you used the word beg or you begged someone? Unless you really have something urgent that you need to get across, it's not something that we really kind of experience in everyday lives. But Paul is here showing us the real urgency and the importance of what he's about to say and what he's saying, actually. Remember, last week we spoke about uh, the great freedom that we have in Christ. The Galatians, they, had, uh, they, they were being told that in order to truly experience salvation, they had to keep these long list of rules and regulations of the law. But Paul is begging the Galatians not to forget what he had taught them about salvation coming by faith in Christ alone. That is not by works. And Paul's saying, I beg you guys, please, Don't mess this up. Don't mix it up. It's not by what you do. It's by Jesus' saving work on the cross alone. And this is how important this thing is, guys. If you accept anything else other than the good news of God's grace through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection for you to conquer sin and grant you new life, then it has eternal consequences. That's how important it is. And that's why Paul is begging them, guys, please don't get this messed up. 
And so Paul is begging them, please listen to this correction I'm giving you and don't be led astray by these other false teachings. And then he calls them brothers and sisters. Why? Once again, because that's what we are. Since we've been adopted by Jesus into the family of God, then that makes us brothers and sisters. Did you ever consider your church family that way? Did you ever consider your church family as your brothers and your sisters? We are a family. And the people sitting next to you and around you, they're your siblings. They're your brothers and sisters. And if we are brothers and sisters, then there are ramifications in that relationship. In other words, the way we relate to one another changes because we're not strangers anymore. We're brothers and sisters. We are family. And so within this new family, one that is not bonded through our genealogical blood, but the blood of Jesus, that's what brings us together. There's different ways for us to relate to one another. As brothers and sisters adopted into the family of God, we now relate to each other differently than in the world. And so for the rest of today's passage, we're going to look at three things that we find within family. That's what we're going to be looking at for these next three verses. We're going to look at verse 12 again. But here's number one in your notes. If you guys want to take out your message notes, you can fill in the blank. There's three fill in the blanks there for you to follow. And here's the first one. That is that within family, there is relatability. Within family, there's relatability. I'll explain that, but let's read verse 12 again. It says, I beg you, brothers and sisters, become like me, for I also what? I also became like you. Now, this is a powerful statement that Paul is saying here. Now, first of all, we mentioned last week, Paul told the Galatians to be like him, which meant to enjoy the freedom that we have in Christ, away from the bondage of living enslaved to the law. The law was ultimately fulfilled in Jesus, and in order to experience forgiveness of sin and new life, all we have to do is put our faith in Jesus. And so Paul said, become like me. In other words, partake in the freedom that we have in Christ, that I have in Jesus. Become like me. But then Paul says something interesting. He says that he became like them. What does this mean? Well, in essence, Paul abandoned his Jewish heritage to connect and to relate to them. Remember, the Galatians were Gentile, primarily Gentile. And as a devout Jew, he would have kept the letter of the law. He would have avoided interaction with the Gentiles because they had contradicting ways of living. Down to the food that they ate and the gods that they worshipped. And so a Jew wouldn't have much interaction with a Gentile. And with this, Paul is saying that within this new family of God, there's relatability. I invite you to be like me because I became like you. We can relate to one another. We can empathize with one another because we're brothers and sisters in Christ. In fact, you can make the argument that besides the theological argument that Paul is making in this letter to the Galatians, which is that you guys are following the wrong way, and salvation is only by Christ alone, and it's not in doing these works. Besides that being the foundation for this letter, you can make the argument that he also had very real sympathy and empathy for his friends in Galatia. Because these friends, these, these false teachers were spreading a wrong, a wrong teaching, and Paul was stepping in to protect them. And so the reason he's writing this letter is to protect his friends in Galatia. And so beyond the deep theological understanding that we get in this letter, I think we can also make the argument that he cares for these people, and that's why we have this letter. That Paul actually genuinely had sympathy and empathy for the people in Galatia, and he took the time to pen this letter that we're reading today. And as a church family, let me ask you guys this question. How are we extending this relatability to one another? How do we extend sympathy? How do we extend empathy to one another? 
Sympathy is feeling bad for someone. Empathy is to feel what someone else feels. How do we extend that to each other? Paul said it this way to this letter to the Romans. Have you guys ever heard uh, this before? I've quoted it many times in church. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who what? With those who weep. In other words, your celebration is my celebration. Your laughter is my laughter. Your tears are my tears. Your mourning is my mourning. Let's be a church that extends this sort of relatability with one another. That we might be a family that truly feels each other's pain and celebrates each other's victories. Because within family, there's relatability. Here's the second thing we're going to look at in the next verse. That within family, there's acceptance. Within family, there's acceptance. Let's look at verse 13 and 14. He says, you know that previously I preached the gospel to you. Why? Because of a weakness of the flesh. You guys, go ahead and underline that part. It says, because of a weakness of the flesh. We'll talk about that in a second. You did not despise or reject me, though my physical condition was a trial for you. Now, guys, I don't know about you guys, but one of the worst feelings in the world is the feeling of rejection. Have you ever been rejected? I mean, even in sports. If you've ever played basketball and you go up for a layup or a shot and you have the shot blocked by your opponent, the whole part goes, oh, everybody shouts, right? And you feel embarrassed and you walk home crying, right? Because nobody likes rejection. Nobody enjoys that. Your soul is crushed. But how about more serious matters? That's how we feel in, in, in sports. Imagine in more serious matters. Have you ever been rejected in a relationship? Maybe someone, someone you caught feelings for who did not reciprocate the feelings. You know, I often do servant evangelism projects with our mission teams. And what we'll do is we'll head to a busy intersection and we'll hand out free granola bars or water or we'll serve uh, cups of coffee to our neighbors. We'll, we'll go to Myrtle and Wyckoff and we'll do that. And I always warn them to be prepared because they're going to be rejected over and over again. Because oftentimes New Yorkers are just New Yorkers. They're skeptical. They're in a rush. Or they know, hey, there's nothing in life that's free, Right? And so while they're outside, would you like a free granola bar? God bless you. Good morning. And smiling at them, many New Yorkers would just walk by and not even give them any attention. Because New Yorkers, you know, we're heading to catch our train. We're too skeptical to receive the free gift. And it's a good training in humility. It's a good lesson in humility because no one enjoys being rejected. It's not a good feeling. And Paul is saying here that the Galatians, they had an opportunity to reject him because of his weakness of the flesh. But they didn't. Now, what is this weakness of the flesh? What's that talking about? Well, we don't know exactly what the weakness of the flesh was. Most scholars agree that Paul may have been traveling through the region of Galatia to head somewhere along, uh, somewhere else along his missionary journey where all of a sudden he became severely ill. He became really sick and he was forced to seek medical attention in Galatia. And so uh, apparently he's traveling through the, neighbor, through, through the region. He gets sick and he has to stay in Galatia. But what's interesting is that because the believers in Galatia were a new family, adopted into the family of God through Jesus, when they saw Paul and his condition, they didn't reject him. They accepted him. They cared for him. Paul was in a vulnerable state, but instead of rejecting him or despising him, Paul says the Galatians were good brothers and sisters and they accepted him. Guys, this is so convicting. How are we being a church that can welcome and accept and love those that walk through our doors? How can we be that type of church? People that are spiritually and even physically or mentally or emotionally hurt and seeking out love and seeking out hope and seeking out community, can we be that church that will not despise and reject them but welcome them with open arms? 
You know, guys, in our community right here in Bushwick, there will be people that will step into our church community and our church family. They're hungering after community. They're hungering after acceptance. They're hungering after love. Will we provide that for them? Will we show them the love that Jesus has shown us? Will we show them the same compassion that God has given us? This might be you here today. You may have come in hurting or searching. Maybe you have questions and doubts. Maybe you have fears and struggles. We want Swerve to be a place where you can find healing, where you can find love, where you can find acceptance. And we hope Swerve can be the family that you need to help draw you closer to God, to be more like Christ and to grow in His love. Church, here's the challenge for all of us. That is that if within, within family there is acceptance, that if there is, that if within family there is acceptance, then it is imperative that we collectively see ourselves as an asset and making that happen. Because it doesn't depend on one person. It doesn't depend on the pastor. It doesn't depend on the greeter. It depends on all of us seeing ourselves as brothers and sisters, as part of the family. Seeing ourselves as part of the adopted family of God, caring for, loving, serving one another and those who are to come. Because within family, there is acceptance. And here's number three in your notes. Here's the last point. Number three, within family, there is commitment. Within family, there's commitment. Check this out again, verse 14. You did not despise or reject me, though my physical condition was a what? Was a trial for you. Interesting choice of words. On the contrary, you received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus himself. You know, Paul describes his physical condition as a trial for the Galatians. You guys catch that? Whatever he was going through was obviously enough to inconvenience not only him, going through the sickness but even to whoever was around him. How so? Well, I'm not 100% sure because Paul doesn't really go into great detail to describe what exactly his physical condition was. What was he suffering with? What was he going through? Was it the flu? You know, was it I don't know, pneumonia? What was, what was he suffering with? Uh, I don't know what it was, his condition exactly, but maybe he was bedridden. Maybe he had to have his meals cooked and delivered to him. I'm not 100% sure. Maybe he was so sick and weak that he couldn't walk around on his own and he had... You know, to be helped by friends to go from one room to the other or, or even to go use the restroom. Whatever he was going through, it was bad enough for him to think that it was a trial for those that had to care for him. And I'm sure it was an inconvenience for the Galatian Christians. I'm sure it was hard, but Paul, but they did not reject Paul. Instead, they received him. They welcomed him. They cared for him. And guys, this is so important for us to get. You see, so often we can be so selfish that the moment a relationship begins to inconvenience us, that we want to cut it off. But as long as we can be on the receiving end of that relationship, we're all good. As long as you got something for me, yeah, we can be friends. But the moment that you start costing me something, I got something else to do and somewhere else to go. And we can be so selfish sometimes. But within family, there's commitment. Let me paint a bit of a dramatic but very realistic picture Especially those of you with children, you're going to be able to relate to this. And this is a, a reality, a very sad reality for many people around the world. But let's just pretend. If you had a child that was born deaf, or a child that was born blind, or missing a limb, or, or they were born with an illness, would you reject them? Would you love them any less? What if it was your sibling? What if it was your cousin that was born with an illness? Or, or, or obtain a sickness, would you reject and despise them? Would you love them any less? You see, within family, there's commitment. 
And if your brother or sister, son or daughter was born with some sort of illness or suddenly contracted a sickness, you, you wouldn't abandon them. They're family. You would love them and you would help them despite their condition and despite the inconvenience to you. Guys, in our church family, it's the same way. Relationships are never easy. It's always difficult and it always takes time. But since we're a new family, adopted by God through Jesus, we're committed to one another through the good times and the bad. Paul's condition was a trial for him and also for those around him. But the Galatians did not reject him or leave him alone. They were real brothers and sisters and walked alongside him until his recuperation. What did that look like? Again, I don't know. But maybe that, that, that looked like taking, spending, uh, taking turns spending time with him in the evenings. Maybe they helped change his bed sheets weekly because he wasn't able to. Maybe they cooked him delicious homemade soup with tea and with ginger, lemon, and honey. I don't know what it looked like, but they were committed to helping him through it all. Let me ask you guys a question as we wrap up. Are you committed? Are you committed to loving and serving your fellow brother or sister in Christ? Not only through the weddings, the graduations, and the birthdays. That's easy, right? Wedding cake and birthday cake tastes great. But how about through the funerals, the negative medical diagnosis, and the miscarriages? Are you able to be committed even through those hard times? Because we're a part of the adoptive family of God through Jesus. We can be committed to one another. We can be committed to love and serve one another through the good days and the bad. Guys, the church is a family. I know that you thought it was a religious institution or an educational institution or a relief organization. But the church is a family. The church is relational. The church is not a building. It's not a board. It's not a mission. The church is a people. It's a family. It's a community. The church is, a messy, the church is messy and beautiful. The church is perfectly imperfect. The church is made up of broken, sinful people who have been known by God and have been formed into a new family. One that isn't categorized by ethnicity or class or gender, but a family that has been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus. And if you're here today and you want to know how you can be a part of that family, be a part of the church, I've got good news. And by the way, I'm not just talking about this church. The family of God is so much larger than just the people in this room. To be adopted into the family of God, all you need to do is put your faith in Jesus. That's what this whole letter to the, book of Galatians, uh, this whole letter to the Galatians is about. It's to acknowledge that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. To put your faith in Jesus' work, in His life, in His resurrection on your behalf for the forgiveness of your sin and for newness of life in Him. And all you have to do is put your faith in Him. That's it. Guys, the church is a family. It's so much more than what we do here on Sunday. It's so much more than the selection of songs and whatever I can say for 20 minutes on a Sunday. The church is a family made up of people that is committed through the good and the bad to be in relationship with one another, to see each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. Later on, right now, we're about to pray and dismiss in a moment as you go and, and finish up the bananas and bagels in the back or whatever. I want you to realize that whoever's around you, whoever you're talking to, that's your brother and that's your sister. And we've been adopted into the family of God and we're all one in Christ. And with that, which there's a responsibility for your brother or sister, right? There's a responsibility to be committed, to be in relationship, to be relatable to one another, to serve one another, and to be in relationship. I'm going to invite um, the worship team up here. They're going to lead us in, in one last song. And, and as they do that, we're going to just pray.
uh, together. And we're going to ask God that as he's adopted us into the family of God, to really view ourselves as brothers and sisters and to help us grow uh, in this area. Would you guys join me in prayer? Thank you, God, that uh, because of our adoption through Jesus, we are brothers and sisters. While the church is imperfect and flawed, for sure, we are the gift you've given us to each other. I pray that we would be a church that would show empathy towards one another, that we would rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. I pray that we might be a church that accepts one another and those who are not here yet, that we would be a safe place for those who are exploring their faith, that have questions and doubts or are searching for Jesus. I pray that your Holy Spirit would empower us to be committed to one another, not just through the good times, but the bad times as well. Help us be the family of God you've called us to be, and that we might be a reflection of Jesus to our neighbors in our community. We pray this in Jesus' name.